0: Hello and welcome to the very latest uh, Feather Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman, thanks for your, your company. And It's the morning after the night before, I think it's fair to say, after the uh, the Arsenal defeat in the FA Cup semi-final. Two goals to nil, of course. Uh, thanks very much to CharlesLewis.co.uk who are the sponsors of the podcast. Really appreciate uh, their support. And uh, I have with me today... Uh, Three guests, uh, three of the sort of regular, if you like, uh, guests. Uh, But we also have a special guest. So uh, our regulars are Louisa. Adam uh, and and Jeff Durbin, who's not exactly regular, but he, he has been on the podcast before. Um, we've also got Paul Lake with us uh, for the first sort of 15 minutes or so of the podcast today. So thanks very much to Paul. So let's start with you, Paul. Um, what's your reaction to the defeat against Arsenal? Are you feeling, feeling down in the dumps? Are you feeling... Um, that this was a bit of a blip or, or were, you know, obviously you get all the exaggerated views from one level to the other. Some City fans saying big rebuild, no, no chance in the Champions League. And you've also got people saying, I was only a one-off and it's a different, different competition, the Champions League, so it
1: won't affect us. So which where are you in all that? Um, I, I don't compare really in terms of this competition and that competition. For me, it's all about momentum. It's all around, you know, taking each game uh, as, it, as it comes. And certainly with regard to the game yesterday, um, we're all gutted. I mean, I don't care what anyone says, you know, to, to lose any cup semi-final, you know, it hurts. It probably hurts slightly more when you lose the final. But certainly, you know, not, not getting there. We've, we've all been almost a bit carried away with the fact that we've we have turned over Arsenal comfortably first game back. And they have still had their their moments where they've been turned over. And we almost, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. I was talking about, you know, a, a Derby final. You know, just you know, that was the conversation I was having. It was almost like, well, we're going to beat Arsenal because even though they beat Liverpool, they looked so uh, nervy and, and, and they were on the back foot for most of the game. They just didn't take the chances Liverpool. If they had it on, they would have won the game comfortably. You know, so with the game yesterday, I just felt that, uh, although we created chances we we, t- we seem to be our our build up plays just seem to be a little bit too slow for what we what we used to and um as great a-, a players as we've got i felt that the ball wasn't sticking with the, with the gabby enough and uh, it was coming back too quickly you know uh, we weren't convincing and that real conviction in front of goal like we have been, we scored five goals. We scored, you know, on regular occasions, I and mean, we scored, put four past um, past Liverpool, as as we know. We just didn't seem to be in that rhythm, and because of Arteta knows how to set up against us, he was setting traps all over the pitch and, and recognizing, you know, that although the City going to have moments, if we can mitigate as much as we can, then then we've always got the pace uh, of Aubameyang uh, and we've got the. The, uh, the the ability of Lacazette to hold the ball up, he holds the ball up better than 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 Jesus. G- Gabriel's got more more ability than any of them. He's got more skill than Dan Agüero. You, you'd argue, you know, but certainly in terms of finishing, you know, he, he's not nowhere near the the article yet. But for me, mate, the most frustrating part was is is that willingness to be disciplined and aggressive when you have a responsibility to defend. You don't have to be the, the world's best defender, but at moments where you have to be switched on, you have to be aggressive and do your job. And I think Benjamin needs to realise that he has to stop the cross. That's the thing. It was, you know, as much as at times it gives the ball away higher up the pitch and perhaps that combination play, Zinchenko's better than him in that, in that regard. Certainly when he gets beyond the whips balls in, that's his strength. But you don't have to be the world's best defender to be able to stop the cross. And that's something that he's got out of a habit of doing. And that, for me, was a problem yesterday. He was at fault, not stopping the cross. It was a great finish. There's still work to do. But those are the things where, if nothing else, you have got to do that. And Kyle, the same. you know. Although Kyle will be more aggressive. So that was me for the, for the first goal. And even when the build-up play for the second goal, you can see Benjamin Mendy is playing on side, But he can see the whole picture. So again, it's being disciplined, it's being aggressive with yourself, not to allow that to happen, to control what you can control. And that you're always going to be a part of it, whether you're on the other side of the pitch or not. In that situation, you have got to be disciplined because you've got pace. He's a a physical beast. When you see him, he's got so much raw ability, Benjamin Mendy. But it's those things in his game that you've got to have that trust. And so if you can just make sure that you do the things that you need to do well, then you can be a really strong part of this team. And I think it's in those moments that we've let ourselves down. If you think about it, mate, in terms of all the games that we've lost this season and the goals that we've conceded, I would suggest that 85% of those goals have come from our mistakes when we've switched off. Not brilliant play from the opposition. Yes, it was a great finish from Aubameyang. And both goals, really, it was a good finish. But it's our mistakes. And in this team, you've got to be brave. You've got to take risks. But you've also got to have that awareness that you've got a sense of danger. You know, if, if um, Zaba would have been, you know, uh, as quick as Carl Walker, he'd probably be one of the best defenders that we've seen in the last 10 years. You've used the word aggressive
0: a couple of times there, and I think that's a great word, in my opinion anyway. Um, it feels to me as if sometimes, and this isn't meant to be um, you know, really negative to City, because obviously they've won the League Cup, they've got to the FA yeah. Cup semi-final, the second in the league. They're a magnificent team, nobody doubts yeah. that. But the, the thing that seems to be missing at the moment, and this is this is how I would analyse it, is that When City are playing most of the teams that they play in the Premier League, there is quite a gulf in quality. So how City play doesn't need to be analysed as much because they're just so much better than the opposition. But when they play teams who are anywhere near the level of City, that's when we start to to go into this forensic sort of analysis. And that lack of aggression. So your team... All right, and I don't mean this, obviously, in the wrong way. You know that. But your team wouldn't beat this team. This team is just extremely high quality. One of the best teams you've ever seen. But the difference is that your team had characters in it. You were a character. You were a strong character. You got upset by things. You got angry about things. You got aggressive about things. And it feels to me that there's too many players. And I don't want to single any one out. But Riyad Mahrez never shows any anger. Um, you know, um, Gundogan never shows any anger. You know, the, the player. It feels as if without a Vincent company, without a Pablo Zabaleta, you know, that we're missing that. That you know, we've got to win this game, and we're not. We're, we're not settling for this.
1: Do you. I mean, is, is that what you were getting at when you said the lack of aggression? well no and I, I I get why you say that Paula, and, and i and I understand that that frame of reference but i don't i don't actually mean that they haven't haven 't got character or or there isn't that in them it 's in those moments, so Benjamin Mendy has got character, and you know he, he can be a you know it can be formidable to play against, I've seen him in training, Ilkay Gundogan was Pep Guardiola's first signing and he is a quality footballer and I don't see it, lots of City fans have a down on him because they say he's not quick enough and he's coming to the end of his, I don't, I don't buy that, I buy that if City's team set up in a certain way and every player is at their best and consistent then he will have more options to pass the ball quicker because he, he can see things, he can move from left to right as good as any player in world football. But the fact of the matter is that when, that when that pass isn't on or that player isn't showing like he should normally show or would be showing, that movement isn't in place. He has that extra second on the ball because he has that physical presence of other players. He will, get, he will lose the ball and give it away. But what I mean is, I mean, in those seconds, in those seconds where, okay, what do I need to do? Where do I need to be in this moment to stop this being a problem for us? I need to be half a yard closer. I need to be... In a, in, in a position where if he tries to check me, my body will block him to an extent and I'll buy me buy myself some time. I won't overly commit because no player wants to get done being made to look a fool of, either by a nutmeg or checked inside. The Niles did Kyle Walker in the second half once where he checked inside him and put the ball across. That happens, but then there's a real pressure on the ball to cross it. But what I'm saying is, is that the ball in for Aubameyang he basically he wasn't closer to the ball, and that's something which City our fullbacks do do a lot of. We allow the ball to come in, and then you're having to rely on you know um, uh, Emmerich Laporte to be that, or Otamendi to to clear the lines, but. If, we can stop the, if you can do the things that you need to do to make it hard. So if he was a, a yard closer to that ball the, uh, yesterday, the ball goes back to the fullback. Then it's a cross in from 40 yards out rather than from that ball in. And That ball has got so much more time to, to, to come across where we can defend it in, a, in an easier, more comfortable way. And it also means that Kyle Walker can get into a better position. So all these things are little things that I need to do, especially if I'm not playing that well going forwards. I need to make sure that my responsibilities, I'm all over them. So that's what I mean, is in those moments where you switch off. Now, um, Eric Garcia played the line. Aubameyang's quicker than, I'd say, the majority of centre-halves, and even full-backs, maybe Kyle Walker aside, one or two others. But he's lightning, and that's one of his strengths. But if Benjamin Mendy had been playing the line, he would have been offside. That's the problem that you've got. Is that you know uh, Eric Garcia can't can't check over his shoulder when he's thirty yards away. He needs to recognise that players that you trust can see the whole picture and recognise in this moment this is where I must be. But he's he's a bit of a drifter. As much as he's off the cuff, and we love players that are off the cuff. You know he's a bit of a drifter. Now in terms of Riyad Mahrez and, and Ilkay Gundogan and players like that. Their ability, their aggression is by controlling the football. and running at you. and running at you again. and running at you again. And I can go left. I can go right. So their aggression is in a different way. We don't, I don't, I don't mean, I mean being aggressive with yourself to make sure that I am doing my job in those moments. Because when we go forward, we've got four, five, six, seven options. We create chances. We cross the ball. We can play between the lines we can play uh, behind the full backs, we can create overloads, underloads, we can do all those things. But in those moments where we're going to be under the cosh, because we don't have the ball for 100% of the time, it's in those moments where I've got to be aggressive with myself to make sure I do not switch off. And that's the reason my Liverpool have been so good, because they've cut out all of those mistakes. And that for me is the difference at the moment.
0: Let me ask the other three who we haven't heard from yet, of course, Louisa, Adam and Jeff, to to tell us what what they think. But bear in mind, we're not going to have Lakey forever. So um, feel free to ask him a question while we've got him. So, Jeff, I know you know Lakey quite well. So I'll give you first hit.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jeezy. I think... It's interesting to hear what Lakin said as a former player. I mean, you know, he has a different perspective and a, a, a clearer perspective on the tactics than we do. I think one of the things that I've felt personally, for and go back over the last ten years, if you like, we've always struggled in, in fullback positions in terms of having that world class player that the Real Madrid's the Barcelona's have if you're going to win the Champions League at that level so it's a bit of a pet theory of mine in terms of, of even if Zagaleta, you look at Zabaleta who loves Zabaleta dearly would a Real Madrid or a Barcelona have in this right back you know, like that, in terms of, of that situation but I think I've come up with a solution I think if we've moved if Pep considered uh, moving to a 3-4-3 so you had two quality um, mid, you know, centre midfield centre defenders alongside the uh, Laporta, that could work. I don't know if lakey has got a view on that.
1: Yeah, mate. Well, it's interesting, you know, when you say that, because if you think about where we're at, um, we, we have struggled with our, with our full-backs, you know, uh, in, in terms of that, being the being the constant defender. Whereas Zabba would be a great defender, maybe getting forward wasn't necessarily a strong point, although in the game uh, against UPI, managed to get forward and scored that goal. Um But... I just feel that if we, if we perhaps looked at a three, we could have three defenders, I mean, like a, like a Van Dijk. You know, he, can, he can play, he can pass the ball. If you give him time to the ball, he can pick a pass out. And Laporte, if you give him time, he can pick a pass out anywhere. So perhaps if we had three solid defenders, obviously who are technical, who can use the football, but then it, perhaps it allows the likes of Benjamin Mendy and maybe, say, a player on the right-hand side, whoever that might be, to, to, to be more uh, thinking more about that creativity yes you've got a double back at times and we understand that but just feel that it means that we can rely on three three players who yes they can play but also they can defend they know how to make it hard for players I just think that we have a frailty at our left side and Kyle Walker's pace and power gets him out of a lot of situations but even, you know, at times against Liverpool, and if you remember the commentary with Gary Neville, but there was one pass in particular where if, if Mane had controlled it into his path rather than it going out towards the corner flag, it was in. And Kyle switched off. And even with his pace, Mane's quick. You know, Mo talent is very quick. So you can't rely on just that all the time. You've got to have that football brain and make those right decisions that are going to mean that you're mitigating any any opportunity. You can't think, oh, well, I'll get there because X, Y and Z because it doesn't always happen. And players can be as creative, as inventive, as strong and powerful and as quick, if not quicker than you. We've seen Traore, right? my God, he's probably stronger than any defender in the Premier League, even more so than Van Dijk. So they've got players that have got those skills. That's why they're in this division. So the more that you can do to mitigate those situations by being in a better position, by not taking silly risks, but by assuming that, you, that, you're, that you're going to be quicker, stronger. You know, if you, if you make sure that you work harder to get in the right positions earlier, it just means that then you've got more of a chance to, to cut out the mistakes. And if we could cut out 50% of our mistakes in a season, we would win the league by 5-10 by points. I'm pretty much short show of that. If you look at the goals that we've conceded on where they've come from.
0: Adam, you want to uh, join in what we're saying here?
3: Yeah, I was going to, sort of looking forward um, towards towards next season, I know we've brought in a a new assistant manager. Um, We talk about putting out these mistakes, but the fact we've brought in a new man sort of suggests that we need new ideas. I was wondering, Paul, if, you agree with that and you think we need to adjust things and tweak things to make sure we can move forward and if so, what do you think those tweaks need to be? Because obviously these mistakes, yeah, you know, we've made a few and we, we could do with cutting them out but clearly the club or the players feel like we need those new ideas by the new assistant manager. What do you think he's going to bring?
1: Um, I don't know whether it's, it's about new ideas as such. I, I just think it's about being better at um, um uh, sort of that, the fundamentals of, 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 um, of where Pep was. Um, so when he's first coming through from Barca and, and, and those principles, I think it's just getting back to making sure that every, every single area of, of the defence, the midfield play and the attacking play is just cemented by somebody else reinforcing the same messages all the time. I see with his assistant, he brings so much energy. You know, obviously, he doesn't speak the language yet. You know, so his English is very, very limited. So obviously, he'll have to be interpreted on the training pitch. So that's going to take time. But you already see that he gets it. He knows how to be around professional people, and he also gets those those little nuances that perhaps Pep might miss that he might see, which maybe his other you know assistants don't actually see. So maybe there is something more in that. I would imagine that with Pep, he can then challenge his assistant to to create, you know, uh, an evolving philosophy where it's a bit more of what we do brilliantly. Because for me, you know, most teams are thinking, okay, we have got to be defensively spot on, and then can we try and catch City on the counter attack? If you've got wide players, you have got pace. Maybe that ball to clear your lines over the top, or one player to sit out wide. It will just be the outlet that we've got. Then we can try and build from there. But it's far easier to set up to to stop somebody than to try and be creative. And that means you've got to be brave. And so with Pep's teams, you know, I always love the fact that we'll try and play. I mean, even Edison will try and create goal-scoring chances. I mean, no other team can do that. Other teams can try, but they can't. But most teams set up to stop City. And that's why, as the season's come, we're going to find it harder and harder, I think, because most teams are going to be more athletic, they're going to be more disciplined, more organised, and literally stop City from scoring goals at the behest of them actually trying to play themselves. So we've got to be more creative again. And that's where we come back to, if we can cut out those mistakes, it means that teams are going to find it even harder because all they'll do is set traps Liverpool set traps. United will set traps. Yesterday, Arsenal set traps. And when you organise and you don't defer from those movements, you don't, you know, press too quickly or go beyond a certain line, it just means that it's so much harder to play against. So maybe there's going to be something in uh, in our formation. Maybe there's something in, you know, how we defend or how we go from back to front. Maybe there might be a case that, you know, when we go. As we've seen, when we go from Kyle Walker to say uh, Phil Foden, you know, because they'll double up, there's no real space to play into. So maybe we will go as we'll, 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 we'll stay higher, higher up for longer, and maybe create, maybe work in pairs. So what you'll see is that when a ball goes up into Phil Foden and he plays that inside pass on Marbachers in towards Jesus, someone's right up close to him. So that one, two is, is quicker. And and it exposes that kind of overload in more central areas quicker, which then means their whole shape has got to be more almost in balance to manage that. So by doing that, then we can switch the play quicker. So maybe there's those little nuances there, little just just little things we can tweak. But we've got to have players that can physically do that. And that's the thing is that if you saw uh, Bournemouth in particular, what they lack in ability, they're made up in that physical presence, that athleticism that, that you need. So as the game evolves and players become quicker, we've got academy players now in this country that are far more technical and are far more balanced than we've ever been, far better than when I played. you know. So you've got players that can handle the football, that are going to be fitter, that are going to be stronger. So maybe the profile of our players, Adam, is something that might actually change. So we're not only looking for for the players that have got that technical ability, but have to be physically, you know, you know, at their at their ultimate best. And maybe in the future, we wouldn't sign an Okai Gundogan because he's not known for that getting box to box around the pitch. But what he does do is he handles the football incredibly well, and he's been fantastic for us. So perhaps your question might be around how, as as you as a young person. I mean, I'm a dinosaur on on. I'm a technophobe, but in terms of, you know, how the game's going to evolve, maybe that, you know, this this new coach will bring something as whoever then picks the batting up from Pep Guardiola, there may be a different profile of player that we're looking for that is perhaps the the final piece in the jigsaw, that if we're not able to do Champions League this year, maybe that will be the difference, maybe it would be somebody else. But certainly, I feel that there's an energy which, which his assistant brings which is, um, which is different again. Sorry, man, I've got
0: off then. Yeah. Don't worry, Paul. Thank you very much for your contribution today. I really appreciate it. Just just briefly, the final question, is having watched that defeat against Arsenal, I don't know what your views were before the game, uh, but do you have a different view now about City's prospects in the Champions League? Does that defeat worry you, or do you see them as two different things?
1: I, I see. I see that if we can... This next game, as one-off games, pal, we can still beat anybody. And because other teams in Champions League will not set up to stop City from playing, I mean, Atletico might to a degree, and they're very good at it, but I suggest the majority of teams will try and play City like for like. So as good as Real Madrid have been at the moment, we can still create chances and score goals against them. And I think that will be a close, but I think we'll just nick it. And again, one-off games, we can be anybody. And... These players know now that this is their last chance to really make the season amazing for them. And also as players, it could be their last games for City. So I think there's going to be that real excitement, that real positivity, that real energy that we'll bring to Champions League. And I think that I'd be very, very surprised if you don't see Man City in the final. I love your positivity, Paul. That's what, that's why we get you.
0: That's where we get <laughs> you on. Thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers,
1: everyone, take care.
0: Yes. So that was uh, Paul Lake contributing, of course, to the, the podcast today. We've still got the the other three uh, who've not had much chance to say anything at the moment. So now's your chance, guys. Um, I'm going to keep, um, I know this is a technical thing, but obviously we do these podcasts these days on Zoom. Um, so I'm just uh, going to say that because Louisa seems to have a slight bit of feedback, I'm only going to unmute her when she speaks. So um, let's start with with um, with Adam. Um, tell us what you th- what what are the conclusions you drew from that game, and where do you stand on City's prospects now in the Champions League going forward?
3: Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not as optimistic about the Champions League as I was um, perhaps on Friday night. Um, <laughs> yesterday's put a bit bit of a down on it for me. I, th- I just think we we just weren't at it even. Like De Bruyne I think epitomises it for me I just think there's loads of passes just going astray I just felt like he wasn't on it and I think that sort of summed up the whole team we just weren't at it I think I don't think it's a it's a reflection on the fact we're so far behind the, the, the quality that we need to be um, I don't buy that we're not capable of bringing out the performances to win the Champions League but last night just showed me that <clears throat> people of having those off days on a really important a really important thing. So we've seen us turn off sometimes when it's not been as important game, a game that you think we might, or we, you know, we think we might win. But usually on the big day we show up, and we didn't show up. So then that makes me think for the Champions League second leg against Real Madrid, are we going to have another one of those off days? So that that's really worried me. I, I just want to mention. I think Arsenal broke our press really well yesterday a lot of times and played really well with the ball. I've never seen them so confident on the ball. They looked like uh, an, an early uh, Man City team or second season um, under Guardiola from the from a, a back point of view where they were just taking the ball in, taking the time, breaking the press and to to just escape um, any sort of traps that we were setting for them. And I, I was just really impressed with the way that Arteta set them up. You could tell it was like a, it was like a Pep Guardiola team at the back. Obviously they've got miles to go until he gets the quality of that seventeen eighteen season for us I just saw snippets of it um, in the Arsenal team and I thought they played really well so although we weren't at it I think Arsenal were at it and um, whereas against teams, we, against some weaker teams we can get away with not being <clears throat> yesterday because Arsenal were, were were really good I think Yes. Yeah.
0: you want to give us your opinion Jeff?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree totally with with what Adam said there. I think um, you know Arsenal deserve credit. Going back to Lakey's comments, uh, I have to smile because um, obviously it means a lot. I mean, I'm a former commercial guy. What do I know about tactics? But uh, obviously Lakey liked uh, my idea of the uh, the three four three. Uh, although I have to have a little confession. We have a WhatsApp group, and Lakey suggested that. Um, beforehand so I just I was testing him to see how smooth he could be and to be fair he never batted an eyelid did he uh, on that so uh, uh, that was spot on. I think going forwards I mean you know having watched football a long time in fact you don't even have to watch it a long time to know that every team has an off day Um, the ones that get relegated tend to have a few more off days and, and have other issues but there's every reason to be optimistic that we won't have Is it four off, four not off days that we need to win the Champions League? So uh, I do think it'd be very different. The style, the whole style of play will be different. You're not going to have a team playing the way Arsenal did yesterday. I can't imagine in any of those games. Um, The question is whether the defensive frailties that everyone, even Lakey now has accepted, even Peppa's has accepted, I think that we have frailties there, whether we can make sure that we we get through that. And I I personally do feel that Fernandinho would, would give me more confidence alongside... Laporte than anyone else, Um, but
0: we will see, won't we? The mere fact that we're having this discussion about the defence, which we've talked about all season on the podcast and among us as fans, uh, is really worrying because City have an England international in John Stones, an Argentina international in Nicolas Otamendi, Um, a Brazilian international who's played centre-back for a lot of the season in Fernandinho and yet we played and I'm a big fan of the future of Eric Garcia but uh, a 19 year old relatively inexperienced youngster in that position who if we're being really critical and really analytical lacks a little bit of pace and lacks a little bit of height and yet we chose to to pick him, I'm not blaming him, I'm not saying it's all down to him, but we cho- chose to pick him in that worrying area in such a big game. That to me is a concern. So, going forward, you know, there have to be and this is a question to all of you, really. But is there a, a fundamental rethink of what happens? I mean, for what it's worth, I'd have played yesterday and would play against Real Madrid. Otamendi and Laporte as the pair, with Fernandinho in front of them, which gives you the flexibility of him being able to drop into a three at the back and make it a three if you want to do that and add that experience. Otamendi can be a bit raw. I know a lot of people are quite critical of the way he goes into challenges, but he, he certainly is one of those players who will... Put his body on the line and block things as as Arsenal were doing. So to me, that would be my selection: Otamendi and Laporte with Fernandinho playing actually in the defensive midfield role. Obviously, some people might argue it should be Rodri, but either way, that player drops into that that central two. So, um, is that has that got any legs? Let's let's try Louisa for this one and hope that she doesn't feedback and um, and we can actually hear from her. So go on, Louisa.
4: Oh, hi. (laughs) Um, Yeah, okay. Wow, got a lot of information gone in there. Um, I have the opinion, and I've had it before, that our captain needs to be on the back row in the defenders. Um, Even if you make it Edison, you know, just make somebody a captain at the back and get that leadership at the back. You've just said it. We struggle with that defence for years and years and years, and we continue to struggle. And we had a fantastic uh, captain in company who did take the leadership, who did order players about, and who did shout up and down the pitch. And you see it in other teams that that can sometimes come from the goalkeeper. And although. Fabulous, amazing talent that Edison is, and I don't want to think about him going or leaving or doing anything like that. I want to keep him. Um, I just feel like it could come from him. You know, do, 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 do the days of goalkeepers shouting, screaming at their players, at their defenders. its not. Come, it could come from Edison. You know, he, he could be having a word with Mendy. He could be shouting at Mendy. He could be shouting at Garcia. What Paul said about players seeing the bigger picture... And the, the, the pitch and the game and what's going on uh, not every player can do that and should be doing that they should be doing their own little role but the guys at the back they should be seeing that bigger picture and um, it, it's a case of someone like Mendy yeah seeing that bigger picture and moving himself into positions that actually makes that goal smaller So that second goal that went in, in my opinion, at that point, Mendy should have carried on running because he had quite a fast momentum at that point. He should have carried on running to that goal line and got behind the goal line to make that goal mouth smaller. So that ball didn't then go in past Edison. You know, Edison, yeah, he's the goalkeeper, but he's not as big and as wide and as tall as the goal. So he needs other players to be there with him and fill in that gap. And whether that comes from the intelligence of the player themselves. So whether that comes from Mendy's own brain and mind or whether that comes from a leader at the back, like Edison to be screaming at Mende to get him and to get him into his area to back him up because you know even like when the ball's going forward yeah you can get strikers and players that are fast and fantastic and and they've got it on their own and then they go ahead and score but that's a bit of a rare occurrence these days it's still a team game and it's still a case of passing balls to make sure that balls can get up and down the pitch and it works the same for going backwards. It works the same at the back, in my opinion. So I kind of feel that we, we, we the leadership, we need the leadership. And I don't think it should. I think that Kevin Bruyne, when he's captain, is fantastic captain. And so is Silva. Um, but I just feel like that armband needs to go at the back and it needs to be from someone very consistent at the
0: back. I'm going to ask a controversial question now, because you've you've mentioned Edison and you sort of very um, praising of him really. Um, when the team was selected yesterday and Claudio Bravo wasn't available, I've got uh, this is going to perhaps surprise people, but I'm going to say I, I was a little disappointed that Bravo wasn't playing because just recently Edison has become a little bit reckless in the way he's come out and. I'll tell you now, when, when Yang broke clear for that second goal, um, obviously I'm watching the game with my family, and we all looked at each other and said, goal. We didn't expect Edison to save it, and it went through his legs. So I'm not saying Edison's a terrible goalkeeper, and we're used to, particularly watching the games on TV, which I'm not used to, and listening to other people's opinions, I hear how much praise he gets for his ball distribution, which is phenomenal and he is a great passer, no doubting that. But are we forgetting to analyse him as a goalkeeper? Is he as good as we think he is as a goalkeeper? Discuss.
4: I kind of think he is, um, but I do think that he has wonky moments. I was... A bit. I didn't. I missed. Uh, I didn't miss the beginning of the kickoff, but I just missed the team selection. So I didn't understand at first uh, why Bravo wasn't playing, and you know. And then I realised why. So at first I was. I felt out of sorts. I thought, oh, okay, we've got Edison, right? Um, how's this going to go? Um, but you know, I do think he's. He's got. Of course, he's got it, and of course, he's got the talent. Um, but I just kind of feel like because he doesn't get. It sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? But he doesn't get enough game. You know, he doesn't get enough play because he's, he's the, the you know, the guys have got the ball up the pitch most of the time.
0: Um, the other I'll side think... of that argument, of course, is that uh, because we dominate games, we have 80, 90% possession and we've played teams, particularly since the resumption, where the opposition have not actually had a shot at goal. So we walk away from a game saying, and I hear it, People say, "Oh, Edison had a great game." But what? He didn't actually. Apart from passing, he didn't. Wasn't involved in. How can you judge him? He never had a save to make. So, uh, my question is, and I know sometimes I'm playing devil's advocate when I ask this, but I do wonder it myself anyway. You know, is how, do we really know whether Edison, in the big games against the big opposition, in the big moments? is actually that goalkeeper is going to make you great saves and make a, make a difference. Adam?
3: I, I, think, I think he's capable of, make, of making those great saves. I think it's easy to forget the saves that he makes sometimes, but I've seen him make some brilliant saves over the past few seasons. Ones where I've gone, wow, that, that's an amazing save. He doesn't get enough credit for how good he is actually at saving the ball sometimes. You, you, you see Alison get a lot of credit for, for the saves that he makes and De Gea used to get a lot of it before he turned dodgy um, I don't think Edison quite gets the praise he deserves for just being purely a keeper I mean I know he's not involved as much as um, as as much as any other keepers in the league but I do think when he's called upon he's there I, I do see the idea that he's, he's a bit dodgy when he rushes out and stuff but I mean Bravo was like Bravo's like that as well. We've seen Bravo come rushing out. So if he would have been playing yesterday, the worry would have been there that oh yeah, we could get caught. You could get, we could come rushing out we could get caught. That's just the way our teams play. We defend with such a big space at the back for, for players to run into in a counter attack. It's a high risk strategy, and I think sometimes Edison is gonna he is gonna come across to that because I think that's just the way we play. Um, but the way that we play means that we score more goals by taking those risks um, and Anderson playing the way that he does, then we concede. I think it's that risk-to-reward strategy, and as you can tell over the past few seasons, it's, it's worked. Um, so, yes, he can be a little bit dodgy, um, but I think um, the, 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 the positives that he brings to us by far outweigh uh,
0: those those odd mistakes that he makes, and I
3: think he's a good keeper.
0: Jeff, you were part of the vlog yesterday, and you made a, a crucial point right at the end of it about the importance of the cast decision earlier in the week. And, you know, we did a a podcast straight after that decision was made and we were all in celebratory mood and it is absolutely crucial. And and probably in in the week we just watched, that was far more important than whether we won or lost against Arsenal, as much as we are disappointed at losing to Arsenal. But now that that's happened and we know where we stand for it, um, and obviously... We'll hear from Jeff first, but the other two can can add into this as well. It feels to me is that the next most important thing that needs to happen is that Pep Guardiola needs to make it clear as to whether he is going to stick around now for a long time. He's got one year left on his contract. Um, a lot of people, as a result of the Arsenal defeat, I know it's knee-jerk reaction and people sometimes go off the deep end, but people have talked about rebuilding and signing players and stuff like that. Now, if I'm a player... If I'm Koulibaly or I'm whoever City you are interested in, the first question I ask is, are you staying, Pep? How long are you going to be around for? I know players are, you know, motivated by money. I'm not naive. But if I was a player, I'd want to know if that great coach, that great manager was going to be around to complete this rebuilding. So it feels to me as if it's absolutely vital. You've worked in the the commercial department, Jeff, so you will also have the different angle of the stability that that offers in terms of promoting the brand around the world and all these other things. So, you you know, how important now is it that quite quickly, because he's he's sort of dodged the question when he's been asked it in press conferences, oh, you know, no rush, I've got another year to go yet. How important is it that that man commits to a long-term contract?
2: Well, I I raised the point about CAS because I was thinking if we were sitting there last night, the re- I suppose I started because first of all I was thinking I don't really feel the same hurt and disappointment and that gut-wrenching feeling of losing a semi-final like I should have been. And I was trying to analyse the reasons, but I was thinking, well, had we lost the CAS appeal, just how bad would we would be sitting here now, thinking, well, actually, we can see a lot of areas where we need to to, to rebuild and we can't do anything about it, which you know, there's more chance that Pep will go. So that, that was the reason for. For making that point, and uh, dare I dare say, it, if you'd have said, "Well, you're going to lose, lose the semi-final, lose against Real Madrid, but win CAS," which would you take? I, I take winning the CAS. You know, that's the position we were in, uh, unfortunately. It's uh, so, so having got to that stage in terms of Pep, I think, you know, it'll be the classic answer if a player was a pl- any player who's going to sign, or his agent is going to be asking that question, and the answer will probably be. I'm very happy here, um, we're, we're already talking, you know, I'm planning um, planning ahead and, and there'll be some sort of political answer. You then combine that with a big fat contract with a great team already added to next season and, and the plan is to win every trophy next season. So even after next season, whether Pep stays or goes, I don't think will affect the decision making of a, of a player, whether he joins the club or not. Um, that, that will, I would imagine, be the situation. Actually, whether he will stay or not, I mean, none of us really know. I think we all very much hope he will. If he doesn't, then, you know, the club will recruit the best possible manager they can in world football. But um, let's hope that all the signals about him being happy in Manchester, happy about the club. I love the club, is what he said last week. I love not, I like, I love the club, um, which you don't actually expect these days. You know, you talk sadly, most players do not love the club. You know, I, I saw a lot of tweets and things about um, uh, uh, players who either have left or might be, be leaving. Um, and, oh, well, you know, if they don't love the club, then good riddance. I'm sorry, the facts are most, most players don't. It's the only the odd one that stands out and has that relationship with the club. Um, so we almost have to, I think, as fans, forget about that uh, and accept the fact that things have changed from the days of Lakey and Hinchy and Brighty and Blues who love the club. Um, but you know, nothing's ever perfect. to be like your comment about the goalkeeper. I, I, just my point on that. I'm not trying to change the subject, but um, I know why you raised it. But you pick a better foot, uh, goalkeeper anywhere in world football that you would choose instead of Edison, and then sign him up. But uh, you know, I don't think you'll, uh, don't think you find one.
0: What about the pep thing from your point of view, Adam? I mean, do you see? Obviously, Jeff is. I don't say doesn't care, or, or as I said, it doesn't matter. But it, it, it doesn't seem as crucial. If I'm, not, if I'm paraphrasing you, Jeff, though, that, that it's the it's the solidity of the club, and if Pep stays great, but well, there'll be another great manager that can be recruited. How how important do you think it is that Ad, Adam, that Pep's, you know, makes makes this commitment sooner rather than later?
3: Of course, I've got no experience talking at the level uh, Jeff certainly has, but as a fan, I can imagine that. Well, if I was a player, that would be the first question that I'd be asking, you know, how long are you staying? And I wouldn't be taking a political answer. You know, it's very easy. I think that the press take it annoyingly easy. You know? When Pep says, oh, I'm happy and I'm not, I think they need to press him harder on that. And I think the players and the agents that, um, that are going to be committing to these five-year contracts should be pressing Pep more on that, you know. If I was an agent and Pep says, oh, I'm happy here, we're talking, I'd be like, well, that's actually not enough. I'm going to be committing to a five-year contract here. And if you're only here for the next 12 months there and we don't know what the club's going to look like after that and who's, you know, uh, you, you really want those experiences, you know, like, like any job, If you, you know, even me, if you're going into a job, you want to know what the state of the, the job's going to be like uh, a few months down the line. Um, So, yeah, I, for me, I, I think it's crucial I, for the stability of the club. You know, we're talking about a rebuild. You can't have a rebuild if you're going to change the manager a season into it. Um, if we're going to have a rebuild, then Pep needs to be here for it. Or the rebuild needs to happen in two seasons time when he's gone. Um, and I think it will also dictate, It might even dictate the players that, that we bring in. Because why? Pep always talks about, you know, bringing a future, a future for the club and things. But he's going to think about his legacy. He's going to want to win the Champions League. So why would he go and bring in a 22 year old player who's going to be world class in three or four years when he's only here for one? So that that could affect the way he thinks about things. Um, yeah, allowed- I'm
0: playing devil's advocate here, by the way. Um, oh. uh, Koulibaly, who is a player that City have been linked with for some time, is 29 years of age. And if you remember at the end of Alex Ferguson's reign at Manchester United, um, he brought in Van Persie, who seemed and, and proved to be quite a short, short-term signing because it felt like Fergie just wanted to win one more title before he left. Now, I'm not suggesting it's quite as black and white as that, but um, you know, if, you, if you're looking at, at Pep's long-term future, why would you sign a 29-year-old or why would a younger player commit to the manager who doesn't know he's around? That, I suppose that's the essence of what you're saying, Adam, isn't it?
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I mean, that could be a sign uh, of, of what's happening. Maybe Guardiola knows that know, he's only going to have one year left and there's no point in buying a 22-year-old centre-back to be great in three or four years. Um, It'd be a shame if that's the case, but I wouldn't blame him for doing that, obviously. Yeah, I can with Sir Alex and Sir Alex left United in a pretty bad state when he went, as as we've seen. Um, They they were left, they they didn't replace um, Real Ferdinand and Vidic well enough with long-term signings. and I'd be worried that that might be the case with us. I'd like to think that Guardiola would be looking more at the future. And we do have the director of football model, which takes it above Guardiola, actually, which, which I think might help us. Um, even though Pep seems to have control over who we sign and things, I think there's a broader vision at the club, which means that we will be protected from that sort of short-termism. So I'd like to think that the club, obviously, they plan ahead. I'd like to think that they plan ahead for, for after Guardiola anyway, really, fingers
2: crossed. Well, it, it's not credible to think that the 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 club, the chairman and the chief executive, with the way they run the football group, the football club, are not already dealing with this. I mean, clearly they will be. I think what would be interesting is if, we you know, you make a good point, we try and sign a player, it breaks down for whatever reason. You've got a very, very fed-up agent who's missing out on his cut, who leaks to the press saying, well, this player's not signing because... Um, Pep's not going to be there, it, you know, that may well, a story like that may well break and bring things to a head and then they'd be forced to, to react. But um, I'm not trying to be blase about it. I, I'd lo- you know, I absolutely think it's crucial. I'd love to hear tomorrow and you, maybe we will, maybe in the next couple of weeks, you know, there will be some news. But if not, I have faith that they are managing it in the best way they can. Um, and it will come to a head because of the points Adam makes. It can't drift on forever.
0: Go on, Louise, so let's see what you've got to say on this subject.
4: Um, I kind of feel like that's why I'm sort of repeating myself um, that's why we need the leadership on the pitch in case Pep does go Um, You know, obviously Pep is an incredibly uh, strong character and personality in himself and, you know, fills these people, these people, fills the players, uh, fills the fans, you know, with inspiration. And, you know, that can come from a player too. Um, So I think that whether Pep stays or goes, he still has to um, make his, put his character into somebody else. For the day that he does leave um, you know and and but then obviously then you're, you're relying on that particular player to be staying around as well for a number of years, you know like like players do dedicate themselves to clubs like company did you know, and like you see other players around the world dedicating their entire career to, to one football club, including across the other side of the city, you know there was many players that, that played on the red side that stayed for practically their entire career, so I think that what Pep needs to do now as well. Is to um, first of all work on the team that we've got, (laughs) Uh, you know, and not necessarily think that bringing one player in is going to magically change everything, and we're suddenly going to be winning Champions Leagues. Um, You know, he needs to sort out the, the, the. the team we've got at the minute and make that a very secure team um like we have done the previous seasons you know to me at the moment it's a bit too oh bring him in for him bring him in for the you know you never know who's going to play in in every game until they announce the team whereas I think we have been through periods where you kind of know what the team's going to be pretty much you know and then you've got your subs bench um so we just need to start out the team we've got today and we do need a leader on the pitch, and um, you know whatever happens up in boardrooms and, and whatnot really is is none of our interest, our business.
0: <laughs> well, one of the reasons why I think it personally think it is crucial that pet commits and commits quite early is because it feels to me that you know we we it's not that long ago that City didn't have the CFA, um, you know, Mancini came in and and. Um, obviously supported by the, the influx of the new money uh, built a team that was capable of winning the Champions League uh, and certainly won the Premier League um, and Pellegrini took it on a little bit but all in the background going uh, you know having happening in the background was it felt to me the wooing of Pep Guardiola so when Pep Guardiola went to buy Munich Pellegrini was bought in, brought in as the man who minded the shop as it were until Pep Guardiola was available even you could i argue the recruitment of Chiki Begueristein and Ferran Soriano was was to, to to surround Pep with players that he trusted, that he got on with, that he could work with, etc. The, the, the CFA built in the image and exactly what Pep wanted, and and I'm sure that you're right, Jeff. In that the, there are very clever people there who will be anticipating the next thing that happens. And 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 I'm not suggesting that nobody's thinking about this, but having built the club, it feels to me anyway in the last few years in the image of Pep and for Pep. If there's an uncertainty about him going forward, uh, you know, does that mean that? Uh, Cheeky Beggaristein and Ferran Soriano also move on when Pep goes. Um, you know, it, it is because the whole thing has, to me anyway, felt like it's been built around Pep Guardiola. That's you know, why I, I want the security. I, I know what you're saying,
2: but and, and I think you're right. It, it, exactly what you said is built all around him. That doesn't mean to say that that model... With all those people, excluding Pep doesn't still work with someone else. That, that, I don't know. I would also imagine that maybe the outcome of our Champions League campaign is possibly relevant. I mean, you know, we don't know what Pep's thinking, but let's say we go on to win it. And I actually think we are going to win the Champions League for various reasons. I, I, I think we will win it. If we do win it, does Pep then think, right, I've now achieved, you know, all the setting up of the, of the models you've talked about, the CFA, I've won the ultimate. Um, and now t- you know that may may have an impact
0: mm, Interesting thought
2: adam
3: um, yeah i I agree i think I think that internally we'll'll we'll have hopefully people in mind to take over if you can be going to Fran Soriano um if they were to decide to go. I do agree that the, the whole ethos of everything was worked up to Guardiola. I think we knew that we felt that. Um, when, when Mancini was on the way out, I think we felt that, that it was all going to be about Guardiola. And no one's really thought about life after him yet. Well, it, the club, I think, are, but we, as a fan, I haven't thought about that. It's all been going up to this, and the crescendo. And I think the Champions League is, is that peak. I think when we win that, that's sort of like the achievement and everything that we thought about when we, we created this idea of the CFA and everything. But I think we've still got a long way to go, because obviously we want to become a club. That brings through uh, the youth from the start. You know, we've got that quote up about um, Shankman Shaw not wanting to build a team of all stars. Um, bring, bring players through and, and 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 create a club that, that almost in the Barcelona vision with Lamarcia. So I think there's still a long way to go um, as a club, um, not not just as a team. You know, winning the Champions League is the pinnacle. So... But then I think the way we continue to go forward, so. I think there's, still, there's still a lot more to do uh, post Guardiola, and I think that would, I think it, well, it certainly would um, me to stay if I was a uh, bigger star than Fabiano. It's not completed yet, the project. So, Guardiola going for me just to be able to complete the vision, more like a continuation uh,
0: and, a, and, a, and a step towards creating the perfect country once I've got two more quick questions that will finish off the podcast in just a second. I just want to thank UK, who are chartered mortgage advisors who have been the sponsors of the podcast all season and have said that they will continue to sponsor the podcast next season. Obviously I'm not sure about the vlogs just yet. Um, I'm going to have to think about that in the summer um, uh, with with City no longer supporting that. Uh, So that's a different question. But I do want to thank CharlesLouis.co.uk or Chartered Mortgage Advisors. And I would say uh, support them if you can, if you are involved in getting a mortgage or Um, arranging a mortgage for somebody else anything like that whether it be businesses or or personal uh, then have a look at their website which is charleslewy.co.uk there's a phone number on there I've word with Dave or one of his staff and he'll be delighted to help you Um, in terms of the two questions that I wanted to finish off with you might think certainly one of them is quite trivial, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And particularly Jeff, who's who's the commercial man who's been involved everywhere as a commercial manager. Uh, perhaps there will be a wry smile as he answers this one. But we saw yesterday the introduction of a brand new strip when the season hasn't actually finished. Um, which if I was a purchaser of a shirt at uh, £105, £60 or whatever the price is, um, I would be thinking, hang on a minute. Last summer, I bought a new shirt, and you've not even worn it for one entire season. You've already replaced it with another shirt from next season. But then, other people will rush out and go, oh, "Brilliant! I've got the new shirt." Where do you start? You know, should should they not have worn the existing shirt at least until the end of the season, or does it not bother you? Jeff, come on, as a commercial man, you'll say it's all about it's all about that, and it's all about. Making a bit of money, so you'll justify it, won't you? As a commercial man, let's hear what the other two say first. <laughs> All right, let's start with uh, with Adam. Then um, you've been uh, nominated as the first one. What do you think? Well, I'm going to
3: disappoint because I haven't got a really strong view on it. Really, I couldn't care less. I don't buy the shirts; they're too expensive for for me. Sixty pounds, I can't justify. Certainly not the hundred and whatever pound, the super deep one with the bleeding holes in it, or whatever they call it, that flies. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not really bothered. Uh, I think it's, obviously, it's a really good opportunity to advertise the new kit um, by playing the semi final, although the result <laughs> perhaps isn't the best <laughs> an advertisement for it. But um, yeah, I can see why they've done it. I've no problem with doing it. Um, I
0: don't care. Why don't we just have a new kit every match then? Let's have a new kit every match.
3: So I, I, could, I really couldn't care less, to be honest. As long as it's in mind, what it is,
0: um, yeah, I, the, the kit really doesn't bother me, doesn't bother me at all. Really. Louisa, what's your thoughts on this one?
4: Um, I I didn't, you know, because I thought sort of said I missed the lead up. I just I wasn't sure why they were wearing it. Maybe just because of the occasion, and they'll go back to the other strip uh, in the normal games. I'm not quite sure. Or is, is this it for the rest? Whether of the they
0: season? go back to the, the kit in the other games, it doesn't really matter. The fact is that in a big big game like this, they don't use the kit that was designed for this season. They use next season's kit. You yeah, that? I don't know. does that matter? I think-
4: do we know the reason why they used it? Because obviously we know the idea behind the mosaic. Um, you know, do do well, we know I'm,
0: why? I'm assuming that, that the deals for new kits start and finish like the football season might have done on the 30th of June, <laughs> 1st of July. So maybe they would have used that as the excuse for why they could introduce the new kit. Come on, Jeff, well, you'll know the answer oh, to this. Oh,
4: yeah, sorry, i was just gonna.
2: Yeah, well, I have I do know a couple of guys involved. I haven't spoken to them, but yeah, exactly that I would imagine. In I think what's interesting to me is that there has to be a principle here. If we've learnt one thing with with what's gone on recently, is that the club has to uh, be able to be self sufficient. The whole point of the initial investment was to eventually get a model where overall that the, the City Football Group can um, can pay its way without having to rely on any form of uh, of, of benefactor and, and that's where we're getting to as a club so if you look at the kit contract there will have been a discussion uh, puma will have put a huge amount of guarantees but the guarantees will be based on their projected sales based at a certain amount of retail price etc cetera, etc cetera. so it, it's all very well so we're a very wealthy club you know we, why do we, we we don't have to charge a lot for season tickets we don't have to, you know, we could charge 40 quid for a shirt and it'd be great well that's not sustainable in the long term so although i understand that um It has to make sense. I do have some question marks about the price points for this. I really wonder whether, particularly with you know an awful lot of people struggling because of uh, either being furloughed or not sure of their job or losing their job, to to look at 100 quid for a shirt, 50 quid for a junior, if that's the right price. Personally, I I would you know have some concerns about that. I assume they've done their work and done the market research. The actual shirt is a personal thing, isn't it? What I struggle with a little I think there's a there's too much smoke and mirrors and too much sort of you know fancy justifying as to why you know it's all about the spirit of Manchester and the, and the mosaics and so on I, I get a bit of that but but ultimately I was watching from the sun last night and he said dad wouldn't it just look better if it was just blue best shirts we've had are just plain. and I thought well sometimes you know it's just you know blunt comment like that but I, I I hate coming across as negative you know they're trying their best to come up something different it looked better than I thought it would I think the other two kits look I mean there's one that took me back to my 1970s I was a child of the 70s you Cheesy, probably had a shirt like that with all the paisley stuff on it and your, your, your rounded flare column and you I could see you on your platform shoes and your flares probably and, your, and the and the hair that we both had so I I, platform
0: I, I, shoes that's for sure
2: <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. Um, well, um, only, only now if you bring your fancy dress out for your seventies nights, maybe. But um, that's another story for another podcast. I, I look at, as I say, we can't, we should got to be positive that commercially they're trying to break new boundaries and take us forward. But sometimes you can be, you know, believe in your own sort of mantra and, um, you know, It's a little bit of the King's new king's new clothes, let alone a, a new shirt, where maybe sometimes someone's got to say, hang on a minute, is this actually just pushing it too far? But personally, I don't want to be negative. If it works well commercially and brings a lot of revenue for the club and fans are happy, that's where you
0: want to try and be. Final question then is, uh, there are two league games left. Obviously, Watford on Tuesday and Norwich next Sunday. Um, If it wasn't for the fact that City's game against Real Madrid has now been uh, confirmed as for the Etihad Stadium, uh, the Norwich game would have been David Silva's uh, last appearance, potentially, uh, for City. As it happens, the two league games don't have any particular significance. So what would you do with these two remaining games? Do you... Do you change the team that played against Arsenal and experiment? Do you rest all your best players and so that they're absolutely fresh for Real Madrid? Um, what what do you do? Or do you put players in the shop window? If, for example, the plan is to sell John Stones in the summer, do you play him in both games and hope that he plays well? And somebody goes, "Yep, yeah, fifty million for John Stones, no problem." and what what, what would you do in the remaining games? Let's start with Louisa this time, and, uh, and and get her to tell us what she thinks.
4: Um, I don't think we should be resting players only because there's a certain momentum. You know, obviously, when you do play games, um, and I wouldn't want our star players to lose their momentum going into that Champions League game. So, um, but there's also in saying that I probably wouldn't play them for the entire match. Um, you know, and, and Pep has done that before. Uh, he has brought uh, some of the bigger players, sort of on and off the pitch, pre bigger games. And I think I'd just stick with uh, what he's done before and still get them on the pitch. And um, yeah, just just go from there. And you're right. Whether we, I know it sounds really awful, throwing games away. We want to win every match, don't we? Um, but I think the focus now is on Madrid. I probably, I think it was yesterday a little bit. Um, but yeah, let's go forward, let's go ahead, play our players, get some uh, practice in, no injuries please, and let's go and win uh, the next match against Madrid. Well, not the Ooh. next one, you know you know what
0: I mean, not the next one. <laughs> I know what you mean, I know what you mean. What, do you, what would you do, Adam?
4: Um,
3: I would continue rotating as we have done. There's been a lot of criticism about rotation, but I think we've needed to do it to try and keep us at our best level. And I think we've got to continue to do that as well, leading up to the Madrid game. If you try and change too much or focus on that Madrid game too much, you're almost changing our little philosophy that we've got going about, you know, concentrate on the next game, concentrate on the next game. And if you change too much, then that could end up having a negative impact on preparations for that Madrid game itself. So I think it's best you just continue as we have been doing, uh, focus on the next game. Obviously the, the game before the Madrid one, you will be playing players in the team that won't be starting against Madrid um, so I would be thinking about the Madrid game in
0: the final game of the season. I don't even care. It's still 12 days though, isn't there? From the Norwich game to the Madrid game. Why oh, doesn't matter then. I don't know.
3: I'm not <laughs> that's that I've Literally, I've just got to um, Yeah, well, in that case, yeah, just just rotate as we've been doing. Don't change too much uh, because what we've been doing, be been working, and there's no need to reinvent be the wheel in, in the next three weeks. Just go as we are, uh, rotate, and then go into that Madrid game with, uh, with all our might to make sure we get that trophy.
0: Last word goes to you, Jeff.
2: Well, first of all, it's critical that they don't rest too many players because of the impact it would have on my fantasy. Uh, football team I'm second in the Warrington Wolves League Defending my title From the previous season 32 points to make up So uh, The yeah, the that, league just... Must
0: be rubbish then Yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that too, um, Maybe you should join Our league next year And we'll, we'll see um, I think just lastly About David Silva I mean maybe he is One of the players Despite what I said earlier That actually does have A real love for the club We certainly love him He's one of City's Greatest ever players Without doubt It's so sad That in his last game There is not going to be a, a crowd there to see him So I along with, I'm sure, every fan sincerely hopes there will be a, a, some form of tribute game to him in due course where 56,000 people can tell him, you know, just how much they do love and admire him. He has been amazing to watch, you know, worth the season ticket alone. And even now, I think he's playing at the same level, he, you know, like maybe not on the Arsenal game, but the game before, incredible. So, uh, you know, I, I think we all really hope that we can give him this send off that he deserves for the incredible contribution he's made to our club.
0: Thanks very much to uh, to Adam, to Louisa, to Jeff, and of earlier, of course, to Paul, late to charleslouis.co.uk for their support. Um, I plan to do another one of these uh, podcasts um, either uh, next Sunday evening after the Norwich game, or, or maybe at some point on Monday um, to to reflect back on the season. Maybe we'll we'll look back on the Premier League season and uh, and talk about one or two of the other things that. Uh, Might have been talking points had City not lost to Arsenal yesterday. Things like, should the water breaks continue next season? Should five substitutes continue next season? VAR, we love to talk about VAR. You know, whether that should be altered during the off-season and start afresh with a different approach. So many things we can talk about. So that will come maybe in the next uh, the next podcast but in the meantime thanks very much for 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 listening to this podcast and to all the contributions and as i concluded at the end of the vlog even on these um poor days when city have a bad result one thing i have never have any doubt about is it's great to be a blue see you next time